We're going to spend the next couple of sessions talking about disciplining our children. There are a few things as overwhelming, terrifying for parents as thinking about how to discipline their child. And of course, we'll never really be able to cover everything in just two sessions. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to give you some big ideas, uh, some big gospel ideas, and then um, unpack some really practical application And give steps. you some resources too. Yeah, um, uh, how to do it, and then point you to some resources where you can get more deeply into it. The big idea in this session is that the gospel approaches discipline differently than the world approaches it. The world is primarily focused on coercing behavior, whereas the gospel is focused on changing the heart. Yeah, we're going to talk about how a lack of discipline um, or doing it sort of the wrong way um, fosters idolatry in the heart, which has eternal consequences. We're going to talk about the three Ds, dishonesty, disrespect, and disobedience, and how those are the um, big things of the heart that we focus on. And then we're going to come back to just how the gospel changes the heart. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So how do you focus on that relationship with God um, and with the parents in a way that leads to um, respect and leads to a a changed heart? Um, There's a lot in this. We're excited about it. And so uh, let's get into it. So we're going to spend a couple of sessions trying to get our minds around what the Bible says about disciplining our children. That's probably one of the most um, terrifying and confusing parts of raising a child is, is how do you how do you discipline? But you know, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And discipline is certainly part of how he builds the child. It's going to take us, I mean, to, to cover all of it, it would take a lot more than two sessions. So we're just going to kind of start with a couple and give you the broad strokes. Yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you kind of a big idea in each session and then a few implications that would kind of flow out of that, uh, out of, out of that big idea. Um, the first session is, we're calling it Fight for the Heart because it's the idea that the discipline that we are um, giving to our children is not just... Um, designed to coerce their behavior into a certain form. Um, Christian discipline is also very conscious of trying to reshape the heart to love what God loves. Because if you love what God loves, then you'll do what God does. Um, The way I often describe it is like this. If I had a metal bar um, that I wanted to bend into a certain shape. And so, you know, let's say I was strong enough and I could really kind of bend it down uh, into a, a U shape. One of two things would happen. Um, If I took my hands off of it, then it would snap back up to its original shape, or I would put so much pressure on it that it got to a place where it snapped. Well, a lot of approaches to discipline basically um, do those same things to a child. Um, I'm forcing them to obey rules that they don't understand. And so the moment that I'm absent, the moment they're out of my house, the moment they're with their friends and I'm not around, um, then they go back, their behavior goes back to the original shape of their heart. Um, and they just, you know, they're, uh, they'll, they'll act one way in front of me, but a completely different way somewhere else. Or I put so much pressure on them that they snap, spiritually speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, I hate this. I hate your rules. I don't want to be around you. I, I, I can't wait to go to college and get out from under this tyrannical um, reign that I've, you know, you've subjected me to. Um, well, the gospel is going to tell you to take a different approach. And while you certainly have, you know, as ki- when you have kids, you've got different regulations and no, you can't go in the street even if you feel like going and no, you can't <laughs> stick the fork in the socket if you feel like putting it in there. Um, but 
but but I'm, I'm I'm doing it with a view toward how do I reshape their hearts so that their 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 affections, their emotions, their thoughts become um, the way God wants them to be, so they'll, that they'll do what God does. Um, so, with that as kind of the big idea, l- let me let's try to unpack a few implications in discipline um, that would flow out of that. Yeah, the first one um, that we sort of learned and stressed is that you want to be aware of fostering idolatries um, as a way of coercing their behavior to what you want it to be. Um, you don't want, you know thinking of things like if you don't do this, then you can get ice cream. If you do this, then you get time on your you know, game systems, whatever, playing your games, like things like that. Right, if you behave, then the reason that you behave is I'll reward you over here. Because the problem with that is it teaches them that obedience is simply a means to this other thing that they really want. And so it's, you're taking this idol, I gotta have this, and this right here to obey is just a means to getting that. Um, Ted Tripp, in a, in a great little book called Shepherding a Child's Heart, says the problem with that is this. Parenting that focuses only on behavior does address the heart. The problem is that the heart is addressed wrongly. Changing behavior without changing the heart trains the heart toward whatever you use as your means. If it is reward, the heart is trained to respond to reward. If approbation, the heart is trained to strive for approval or to fear disapproval. Often when the experts tell you that you must find whatever works with each child to get them to behave, they are saying you must find the idols of the heart that will move this child. So in other words, what you're doing is instead of teaching them to obey because they honor and fear God, you're teaching them to obey because it's a means to this other thing they want and you're doing nothing but creating this idolatry that ultimately leads to problems in a lot of other areas of their life. It is a balance though. I mean, you are trying to train, you know, you have little sinners in your house and you are trying to train them up in the correct way of interacting with their family, their friends, their society. So, I mean, there is some, we're not saying that you never reward reward or things like that. So you have to walk a fine line. It's just where your primary strategy is. Tripp says, he says your primary focus is honoring God in your family. Right. The byproduct of that is all the blessing and um, and all the behavior. So I'm not focused on getting my kids in line. I'm I'm focused on getting them to honor God. Yeah. Um, which leads to the second thing. Second thing is um, we in our house we try and focus on the three D's. Those are disrespect, dishonesty, and disobedience. Those are the three things that we think get to the heart of the issue. Um, those are the things that we try and be very diligent, very consistent, and very quick about. Because it's how they respond to authority. Um, you know, for a while, and this is intimidating, but for a while, we as parents stand in the place of God for our mm-hmm. children because how they're learning to respond to heavenly authority is first mediated by how they respond to us. You know, theologians have pointed out that the command to honor your father and mother comes right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are all about how you relate to God. You know, keeping the Sabbath and having no other gods. The last five commandments are how you relate to other people. In between those is this bridge command, which says to honor your father and mother, which is really about both. Because in learning to respond to my mom and dad, I'm, I'm learning to respond to God, which is why we um, have just said these issues are so crucial to the heart that we want to punish um, very consistently and very you know, swiftly um, for any disobedience, any disrespect or dishonesty, because they're really going to, you know, getting to the heart of Towards the issue. Authority. In fact, why don't you tell them that thing your, your friend um, oh, says about? She, um, it sort of helped me in the early years when like um, my oldest daughter would maybe like, I'd tell her to put that down and she wouldn't do it. And I'd say, put that down. And she wouldn't do it. And I'd start to stand up to like make her put it down. And then she'd put it down, you know? So I felt like, okay, can I, um, can I discipline for that? Because she did, she did obey, but clearly it's not really from a heart of, of, of obeying truthfully. 
And my friend said um, the definition of obedience was um, right away, all the way with a happy heart. So that wasn't obedience really. So that was good. In our family, we ask our kids to respond without discussion, without delay, and without disgust. It's good. So that we get an opportunity to address their heart. Yes. Three more Ds. Yeah. Three more Ds <laughs> on top of the other three. Um, and so what, it help, what I feel like it helps us to do is to show them that if they will learn to trust us, as, as leadership now in their lives, then we're giving them a greater opportunity to trust God in the future. Yeah, and for we whatever also, it's worth, those are the only three things in our house, um, disobedience, disrespect, dishonesty, that we spank for. Yeah, now, clarify what... <laughs> no, when I spank, we're talking a, a light temporary sting. We're yeah. not talking about anything yeah. aggressive or, or abusive. It's, it, it's simply to say these three things are such hard issues. Um, I've never seen a kid who was defiantly disobedient, disrespectful to authority or dishonest, I've never seen one that turned out well. Yeah, because, because it goes to the heart of I am in charge, nobody else is in charge of me, not God, not anybody. And so we say those issues are heart issues that have to be corrected. We also do something else that has helped our kids a little bit, because sometimes there may be something that I don't know about the situation as often as I, as, as much as I am trying to take account of a situation that I'm, you know, disciplining for or speaking into. Um, if they obey first and move to obey first and then want to ask me a question or, you know, clarification, then that is okay because there may be something I don't know, but you can't just start out, or at least we try to make sure they don't just like immediately offer a, a disagreement or something or a clarification on when I ask them to do something. So that has helped. So that leads to number three, don't be lazy, require obedience. Proverbs 13, 24 says, if you neglect the rod, then you spoil your son. John Piper was commenting, uh, there was a story in the news recently where um, a 15-year-old boy had a play rifle and the police kept telling him to put it down, but he wouldn't do it. He just was ignoring them and they ended up shooting him because they couldn't tell if it was a real rifle or not. It looks and, real. And so Piper commenting on that was saying that he was traveling on a plane and he was sitting across the aisle from a 12-year-old boy who was sitting next to his mother. And the flight attendant said, you got to turn off all your electronics now. And this kid had a, you know, one of those little games. And, and he just ignored the flight attendant and, and kept playing his game. And so the flight attendant came by three times and said, you need to turn that off now. Well, the third time, he just kind of rolled his eyes, put it under his, you know, and as soon as she walked away, he pulled it back out and started playing again. And his mother was sitting right there. And Piper said, he said, he said, I'm watching this happen. And, and, and in light of this news story, he says, I feel like this mother is preparing her son to be shot one day because he never learns how to respond to, to obey. Um, Piper says, you know, at this stage in your life, when you have control over your, your kids, you can't be lazy. You have to teach them to obey. He, he kind of tongue in cheek says, um, that's why God made you bigger. <clears throat> so first. that you could, you know, of course you could, you can enforce their obedience. You know, he says this, um, he says, when you tell your children, for example, to, to stay in bed and the child gets up anyway, it's easier, it's easier to just say, go back to, you know, go back to bed than it is to get up and deal with the disobedience. Mm -hmm. He says, because you're tired. He said, I sympathize. I did it for more than 40 years. He said, requiring obedience takes energy, both physically and emotionally. It's easier simply to let the children have their way, but the result, uncontrollable children when it matters. They've learned how to work the angles. Mommy is powerless, daddy is a patsy. They can read when you're about to explode. So they defy your words just short of that. This bears sour fruit for everyone, but the work it takes to be immediately consistent with every disobedience bear sweet fruit for parents, children, and others. I think you end up creating this environment where everyone's kind of semi-miserable all the time. I've, I've seen myself do it. So I'm like yelling at them to 
get back in the bed in that example, for example. And so they're miserable because I'm yelling at them. I'm miserable because I'm yelling at them, but I'm like too tired to actually enforce it. So then we're just kind of low level, low grade, miserable all the time. Whereas if I dealt with it the way I should have the first time, we're all happier, you know, mm -hmm. like just go ahead. And, and it is hard. It's very hard to do. We're parents. We know that. There's a principle we've learned. And I think we heard this from Andy Stanley um, teaching on parenting is that later equals longer. Yeah. So if I want to like my kids longer, um, then uh, then I have to focus on what they are becoming and not just being happy now. Mm -hmm. Well, I've heard it described like a funnel that you have to invert. Um, if you've got, if you put a lot of energy into the early years teaching them to obey, then that leads to greater freedom as a teenager. Whereas if you give them a lot Too of much free, freedom you know, at the bottom, where you're not really disciplining then you're, you know, you're, you're creating problems as a teenager. And then you try to and get stricter later. That's right, and you have to do all these rules. So I, I think what we're saying is in those early years, you have to be so focused on I'm shaping the heart to obey, to respond to God, to respond to authority, and that just, you just can't be lazy. Um, you gotta say later is longer, and I want my kids to be free and happy um, when they're teenagers and, and college students and on, uh, um, on beyond that. Which leads to number four, be swift and deliberate in punishment. Deal with the heart and bring them right back into fellowship. Um, you know, we don't prefer these kind of um, disciplinary uh, matters that take weeks, mm -hmm. you know, where you kind of shut them out and you give them the, the, the cold shoulder. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be mad at them for a week. When God disciplines us, it's, it's quick and he brings us right back into fellowship. Mm -hmm. um, now, I say that, I don't want to make it sound like it's neat and tidy. Yeah. Whenever we discipline our kids, I never feel like, oh, it's like cleaning up vomit. Awesome. You know, it's just like, there's no way to- We did to, a really good job. There's, you just like, no matter how good of a job you do, you felt like that was messy and not real pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't mean to imply that. I'm just saying that you just do it quickly and you um, give the punishment and then bring them right back into fellowship. Yeah. That leads us number five, the last one. I just pray a lot. I mean, it's, it's such a, you know, like I said, we're walking this line between um, training the heart, teaching them how to, how to obey correctly, you know, it's just, you're walking a fine line, you really need the Spirit's guidance in it. You definitely need to pray more than you are right mm -hmm. now. We need to pray more than we are right now. You just need a lot of um, leadership and guidance from God. We'll get into that a little bit more in the next session, but let, let me just close this with, with a couple of final thoughts. Um, one, just wanna encourage you as parents that you can break multi-generational dysfunction. Um, Piper, um, John Piper again says that one of the reasons that parents don't require discipline is that they've never seen it modeled. This is good. It, he says that they come from homes that had two modes, mm -hmm. passivity and anger. They, don't, they know they don't want to parent in anger because you know what it was like to receive that. Yep. So they just kind of fall into passivity. The other option is. But the Bible's counsel is neither one of those. It's neither passivity nor anger. It is love-based, deliberate discipline that focuses on the heart. Mm -hmm. um, and our parents were like that. We did yeah. see it modeled. We had that um, that advantage. And here's, here's the, the, the last thing is I want to go back to reminding you that the gospel alone changes the heart. How does God actually change the metal? How does he heat it? He does it through the message of the gospel. It's really interesting in Deuteronomy chapter six, um, after God has given the law, um, he, uh, God talks about a conversation that he believes will take place between fathers and sons one day where the son says, why, you know, why these rules? What's interesting is that God says, the answer is not, well, let me tell you why these rules are so much better than all the rules we came from. Um, Deuteronomy 6.20, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning and why we have all these rules and statutes? 
You say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. In other words, you tell them how trustworthy God is. You tell them how loving God is because if they have that relationship where they trust God, then the rules begin to, the rules become less burdensome. Mm -hmm. The way we say it is rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So if I can prioritize the relationship where they learn to trust God because of the gospel, they learn to trust us because they see our love for them and our consistency, then that, that leads to rules that, 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 that don't create resentment and rebellion, but instead um, create hearts that say, this is, I can trust my parents in the time when I don't understand. Yeah. So that's kind of a lot, but why don't you take this and, and sort of process it and we'll, um, we'll see where it goes in the next session.